Welcome to the latest ATP podcast with me, Seb Lozier. Coming up over the next 30 minutes or so, we will hear from some of the stars playing tour events in Bulgaria, Israel and Korea. But first, after all the excitement and emotion of the Labour Cup, is Canada's Felix Auger-Aliassime. He is aiming to reach the NITO ATP finals for the first time this year. And if recent form is anything to go by, he could well convert his current seventh place in the race into one of the eight golden tickets. World number one, Carlos Alcaraz, beaten in the Davis Cup. A week later, Novak Djokovic, beaten as he helped Team World win the Labour Cup for the first time. And as he told Mike Cation, it's learning from his toughest losses that got him there. Losing certain matches, they teach you a lot of things. So uh, over the last, let's say, three four years, I feel like um, uh, you know I've gotten very valuable lessons, um, and that make me the player I am today, the person I am today. And uh, I keep on learning, I keep on evolving, and, and trying to become the best player I can. But you never have it all figured out. And um, I think when you go up in the ranking, yeah, pressure gets higher. So it's a new thing you need to deal with and you try your best and sometimes you succeed and sometimes you fail and you just accept uh, the reality. It just seems like that, that level is just consistent. Why has that been so important for you to stay that even keel? Why is that such an important part of who you are? Yeah, a big part is that you know this year I was trying to be even more mentally strong and stable and emotionally stable. Um, so I think, yeah, that does help my tennis. But even if I tried my best, there's been moments in the year that haven't gone as well as I, as I wish. But you need to remember, you know, your, your highest points, uh, your peaks, and that's, you know, that's what you remember. It's not a sport of, of losing, it's a sport of how much you can win, how, how many matches and how many tournaments you can win in, in your career. So um, I think, uh, you know, just having that positive mindset week after week has definitely helped me. Um, but then nothing is granted, nothing is guaranteed. You know, I'm glad I was able to do that already, but uh, hopefully I can, you know, push even more to, to finish the year strong. Yeah, and that kind of leads me to that next question, Turin, end of the year. Does mm-hmm. that factor into your, your mind at all? Do you think about those kind of things in terms of, I really want to be there, I'm, that's a goal every single year? Is it factoring in at all right now? Yeah, well, for the last two years, I mean, for last season and this year, it's been a clear goal that I wanted to be uh, in Turin. Um, last year I was a bit close, just out, but then... Yeah, this year I have real chances. Uh, I'm in the race right now. I'm in the cut, but a lot of things can happen until until Turin. Um, I don't think about it on the day to day, but you know, in terms of my goals for the year and performance goals and tennis goals, yeah, this is something I would love to do. I uh, would love to achieve. Sorry, but um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I don't think about it too much. There's still time, but I think once we get to the last tournaments of the year, you know, always and. You know, in, in Paris, Bercy, it's, it's always, you know, the talk of the, the talk of the week, you know, and the last players are pushing to try to, to squeeze in their, their ticket to return. Felix Auger-Aliassime with Mike Cation, and while he is still doing all he can to be in Turin, two men, Kasper Ruud and Stefanos Tsitsipas, have this week confirmed their places at the NITO ATP Finals. They join Carlos Alcaraz and Rafael Nadal above the qualifying cut. Four places are still up for grabs. Another youngster supersizing his game this year is Dane Holger Runa, finalist in Sofia, Bulgaria this week. I spoke with the 19-year-old recently and two things came through loud and clear. One, he sees himself as a long-term rival to the new world number one. And two, 
He wants it to happen sooner rather than later. I want you know the young guys to take over because uh, we we are here now and, and and can play on a great level. But still, I mean, what they're showing is amazing. But yeah, obviously, as we we talked about, Alcaraz is, is showing that he's also capable of of beating these players, and uh, it's just it's just great to see. It gives you even more belief. And sport needs rivalries. You know, how much are you excited about building a great rivalry with Carlos? Uh, yeah, I'm excited. It's uh, hopefully going to be like uh, Rafa and Roger. Uh, it could be great. I mean. Uh, that's what uh, we're seeking for. I mean, to be the greatest of all time and to be the greatest players we can be. And yeah, from my side, I'm just trying to fulfill my potential to be as great as I can be every day and get 1% better every time I step on the practice court. And I've heard your coach talk about how, you know, obviously you're from Denmark. It's less of a tennis nation than maybe Spain, which is a huge tennis nation. How much hungrier and more passionate do you think you've had to be to get where you are today? How proud are you to, to be coming to where you are now from Denmark? Yeah, I'm very proud. I mean, as, as we know, Denmark is not a big country of, uh, of tennis in general. We had the Vosniaki on the VTA Tour, who's done amazing, winning a Grand Slam, becoming world number one. So that's obviously a huge inspiration. But from the men's side, we haven't really had anyone. So I'm kind of the first one and it, it feels good. I mean, I'm, I'm really, you know, going strong and, and believing in myself. And uh, yeah, at the same time, really enjoying the journey because it's some great events we're going to play. And uh, yeah, just what is important to enjoy every moment you're, you're out there. And as fate would have it, Runa and Alcaraz meet this week in round one in Astana, Kazakhstan. And while Alcaraz is already set to play the Nito ATP finals in Turin, Runa and also young Italian Lorenzo Musetti have this week confirmed their places in the lineup at the Intesa San Paolo next gen ATP finals in Milan. Here's a quiz question for you. Where did Jimmy Connors win the very last of his 109 career singles titles? The answer, Tel Aviv, 1989, when Marin Cilic was just one year old. This week, the big Croat was among a strong field in the Israeli city, including Dominic Thiem and the man he would face in the final, Novak Djokovic. Early in the week, ATP Uncovered sat down with Chilich, the former US Open champion, to find out just how much attention he's been paying to his own career. From Croatia, Marin Chilich. First ATP Tour match was in Zagreb 2006 against uh, Igor Andreev. Sorry, uh, wrong, 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 that's wrong. 2005 Umag, 2005 Umag. Christoph Fliegen. <laughs> that was the first win. Where did you win your first 8500 title? It was Basel, 2016. And 2016 is a season that will live long in the memory as far as Marin Cilic is concerned. What year have you won the most titles so far in your career? Um, it was 2014, four titles. Can you name all four of them? Um, Zagreb. Delray Beach. US Open. US Open champion in 2014. And Moscow. When did you win your first Masters 1000 title? Um, Cincinnati, 2016. Marin Cilic wins his very 
first Masters 1000 title. Do you remember who played each round? Um, I think so. I played Viktor Tritsky first round, then Verdasco, Burdich, Chorich, Dimitrov, and Murray. Who have you played the most matches against out of Rafa, Roger, and Novak? Uh, with Novak. Now, how many so far? Um, let's go with 20. That's like a really detailed memory right there. Yeah, selective. There it is. <laughs> Who did you defeat for your first win at an ATP Masters 1000 event? Probably Miami. Or Indian Wells or Miami. Nishikori, possibly. It is Nishikori. In Indian Wells. Easy, easy. What year did you receive the Arthur Ashe Humanitarian Award? In 2016. Uh, an opportunity to do something better for those kids, so it was a really, really nice award. I haven't missed one, so yeah, pretty good memory. I feel, I feel young and fresh. There you go. <laughs> Top marks for Marin Cilic off the court and oh so close on it. A losing finalist against Novak Djokovic. After 12 years on tour, Argentina's Diego Schwartzman was excited to be playing in Tel Aviv for the very first time. ATP Tour's Kate Flory joined him as he packed his travel bags for the trip. Hello guys, this is Diego Schwartzman and come and see what I'm travelling with. The most important thing guys, the mate. It's something between coffee and tea. You have a mate herbs and then you put in here and then with the hot waters and then you start to drink. You can drink all the bottle or just a few. You have here my name, uh, pe well, Pequeño, my nickname. I think for the Argentinian people and, and some people from South America represent us. It's uh, our drink and it's a social thing we share with people. Uh, we share the moment traveling with my team and some friends. For us it's very important and I'm traveling every place with, uh, with the Mate. I have uh, headphones for the traveling. We have too many hours from Argentina traveling. What do you like to listen to on the headphones, Diego? You like music or...? You... Yeah, Latin music. I have a small uh, book, you know, to have some notes. You know, when I have something to do, for example, with you guys, I'm always trying to have a note and, you know, be ready for that. I like to write, you know, and not have everything in the phone because we pass many hours in the phone. Then, something to read. Uh, I don't know how to say in English, but it's very famous around the world, this one. Monge, I don't know how do you say, but who, who sell the Ferrari? The monk that sold the Ferrari? Yeah. Hard drive for the photos and everything. Do you take a lot of photos when you travel? Yeah, a lot. And also I have a small print. With my girlfriend, we are, you know, printing the, the photos. What sort of photos do you like to take? Around the streets, not more in the tournaments, you know, something around the world and visiting, you know, museums, uh, streets, uh, famous places. Do you take the photos on your iPhone or you have a camera? No, no. I want to have a camera, but uh, it's difficult, you know, to travel in with a good camera. So the phone right now, it's doing the work, you know, for the photos and some videos. 
Well, I have the speaker. The stickers my girlfriend did. You can see the iPad there, I also have a few. I like to, you know, change the things. If not, I have to change the speaker. So I put the stickers and I, I feel like it's new. I have the iPad with me every time. The HDMI to, you know, show on the TV. Harry Potter, Lord of Rings, you know, Game of Thrones. That kind of uh, movies or series I really like. The hats. It's a brand of my family, Ginche 21, and I have a few. And with your hats, do you, do you enjoy fashion? Yeah, I really enjoy walking around the world, uh, looking the different, you know, styles around the world, different countries, different people. So it's, it's, it's very nice, the, the fashion, yeah, I, I really like. What are the bracelets that you have, Diego? This made to me one friend like six years ago. I don't know how, still here. And then I have the red one, some, you know, Turkish eyes. And the red one I'm changing like two, three times per year, but uh, I really like to have since I'm very young. And what's your favorite place that you've been, Diego, when you've been traveling? It's a very difficult question, but uh, I really love Paris. It's a big city, so the fashion, I really like the buildings. Not always, but most of the time playing good tennis, so it's helping me, you know, to, to be ready to walk and visit different places and be happy there. Guys, that's what I'm traveling with and I hope everyone enjoy. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Another destination welcoming the tour for the first time this week since 1996 has been the Asian city of Seoul. The Republic of Korea's capital was awarded a single-year licence to stage the Eugene Career Open Tennis Championships, where an Asian player would take the title in the form of Japan's Yoshihito Nishioka. In the final, Nishioka overcame the favourite, Denis Shapovalov, whose form has dipped after a strong start to the year. So, will a good run in Korea spur the Canadian on to bigger and better things? That was the question Jill Krabus put to him. Obviously, I'd like to be a little bit more consistent, but I definitely feel like when I get put in uh, a situation to, to play one of the big players, it's super exciting for me. It's always been uh, kind of the reason why I play, to, to kind of be in those big matches. So it's uh, definitely super fun to, to be in those moments. And I, I did read a couple articles about you. One thing that um, came about that struck me was you know, you're always feeling pressure and nervous moments, but you feel like you're handling those nervous moments more with excitement than fear. How did, because that's a key, a big thing. How did you get to that place? Yeah, I think it comes with uh, just experience. I mean, obviously, when you're coming up, uh, there's, I think there's more things to, to fear. Maybe, you know, feeling like you, you don't belong or feeling, you know, you might not make it, but obviously, I feel like I've got a great level with my game and, and I feel like at any, any moment, really, I can kind of pick it up and, and play some great tennis, you know. So for me in those big moments, it's kind of a privilege to, to be in those, in those scenarios. As a tennis player, that's uh, it's where you want to be, you know. You, you want to be five all in the third set. You want to be playing those, those close moments, entertaining the crowd, entertaining people. So for me, it's, uh, first of all, it's a better way to, to just go about it. But second of all, it's just it's fun to, to be out there in those moments. And I know you... Um added, well, you had a little bit of a coaching change sort of situation. Now, just with your compatriot, Peter Polanski, how, 
I know he was on your team for a little while, but how, why is he so important to your game? How impactful is he to your game? Yeah, I mean, he knows me really, really well from, from the years before, and obviously we played a couple times as well. So we got to know each other throughout the years fairly well, and uh, I just feel like, you know, we, we communicate really well. I think he's a super smart guy uh, when it comes to life in general, but also obviously on the court. I think he knows my game really well and how I want to play. So I think uh, he's done a great job of communicating with me and, and with the whole team of, uh, of the plan we want going forward. And, and we really have set a plan for, for a couple years ahead of us, you know, so to, to kind of achieve what we want with my game. So I think it's been, uh, it's been great to have him. And what, what exactly is that? What does that look like for you? What do you want, would like to achieve for your game? I mean, I think my game has always been to, to be aggressive. Obviously, it's a little bit inconsistent, but that's just what it's what what it's all always going to be and uh, I just have to keep kind of going for it uh, believing in my game trying to come in as much as possible and uh, and kind of just building towards that so that you know I feel like if if I could get to to my peak or my top of the game it would be that way so that's that's all I'm trying to work towards. The man Shapovalov beat in the career semi-finals was Jensen Brooksby whose consistency this year has taken him up inside the world's top 50 for the first time. ATP Uncovered went to visit the 22-year-old American at home with his parents, Glenn and Tania, and at the academy where he trains alongside coach Joseph Gilbert. Oh, what a magnificent athlete this young man is. There had to be a lot of things fall in the right place to move up as fast as he did, and those things happened. I mean, I think that was the biggest surprise for me is just the speed of how fast all this has happened. He's in a good place right now with regards to form as well as confidence. Magnificent physical specimen, without a doubt. Goodness me, and here he goes again, Jensen Brooksby. The positivities and energy has been a big part of my game since I was, since I was young, and just competing to beat the other opponent and really competing to win. His ability to settle into what should be a high-pressure situation, like nothing seems to phase him. Remember that name, Jensen Brooksby. I'm sure we'll be seeing and hearing that name for many years to come at ATP Tour level. Let's go! You know, he's always brought that tenacity and, and the fight to the court and the skills. That's the no most important thing is to have that energy, and it's, it's, it's number one for me because then the other aspects of my game can, can fall into place from there. I think, it's, I think it's a great thing to be called an Orthodox. Well, when Jensen Brooksby's on the court, you can barely take your eyes off him. I think I'm someone who's a great competitor. Sometimes he can, you know, get in the face of his opponents, and uh, he really, really is intense. Loves to play the sport of tennis. Just big into um, spending time with my family and friends. My parents gave me a lot of support. I mean, they, they loved me playing sports. They would try to get me doing all these different sports as much as possible. And then they, they knew I think I had a potentially good setup to be where I'm at today. So they've been, they've been huge in my, in my role to where I'm so at so far. Oh, I missed you. You can take the lead. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting to see, like online, people think they know his personality and they don't know anything about him, really. Because on court, he's a tiger, but off court, he's a very mild-mannered, humble. Hi. It's a crazy picture, actually. Since he's been itsy-bitsy, he's super competitive. Just always has been, yeah. always will be in anything. He was very, very active. 
Oh yeah, some other sports. There we go. There we go. I put him in every single sport because he was bouncing off the walls, and so he did soccer and tennis and basketball and t-ball and swim team. <laughs> the garage door. Eventually, by yeah. four, five, six, seven years of age, he'd go out before school. Before kindergarten, he'd go outside and play against the garage door with a Nerf ball, Nerf tennis ball, you know, just go hit. Then he'd do it when he came home, and he'd go out in the evening. He and loved it. He'd be yeah. out there for 30 minutes to an hour, just doing little games off the wall. I saw him hitting on a wall one time, and, and I saw his focus and his concentration and like attention to detail at a young age. And so um, that's where it kind of convinced me to start working with him and to start uh, start training him. Yeah, the, the period around college and before turning pro was pretty rough for me. I, I had a lot of injuries. Jensen Brooksby unable to step onto a court for the first half of 2020 due to a toe injury. That year was probably the most frustrating year for him and I because he was off the court a lot and, and we couldn't compete. You know, his body was just developing. He had a foot problem, then he had a shoulder problem, then he had hamstrings. A little wider on the Vs. So that was frustrating, but I also think it was good. It made him take the gym a little bit more uh, serious and more professionally. It's, it's never easy to really break through like that, but um, it just added extra motivation and just proved to everyone what I got. More about, you know, not building uh, a weapon. It was more about not having weaknesses. You know, we, we couldn't build him as a typical quote-unquote American player. And I think a lot of people have seen that. You know, he wasn't the biggest, the strongest, the fastest coming up throughout his career. For sure, people have uh, not believed he could go to the next level, which I think has only fueled his competitiveness and and my competitiveness, to be honest with you. Switch. Good, go hook it. Good, that's not it. Good, stay with it. Don't tank it. I am with it. No, I can tell you one out of it. Our coach-student relationship is great. We know when to push hard. And that's how I always know when you're lazy. Good, that's it. Is the ones up the middle, you don't want to move. And it's very easy to move. Good, move. Good, shuffle. This is good. Move it. Good, shuffle. You don't react to when I say what? Good. Good. You react to when I say anything back. I push him hard. I push him hard. I push Jensen uh, really hard. Switch. And, and the expectations. Not as much on the result, but on the effort. Look at the camera and say how much fun you're having. Take deep breaths and then do it again. Go. Good. Stay with it. Can I see a replay? Yo, I, I demand the intensity and the, the effort day in and day out. And, we, we go back and forth on it sometimes. At the end of the day, he knows, you know, that's what's best for him. You gonna be okay? I don't know. Tennis-wise, everything I, I know to this point is stuff he's told me on the court and also he's helped me a lot, even off the court in a lot of different areas. So he's like a, he's like a second dad to me, really.
You know, no one else has uh, done it fully from NorCal from when they've started to their whole pro career. I mean, some people like playing piano. Some people like getting better at beer pong. Or both. This off season, you never know to how much time we have. The loaded berry. Yep, it's mine. I really can see myself doing that, and I have a great environment, and I, you know, I, I feel I have a lot of support too from you know people around NorCal and Sacramento. So it's it's really cool for me, and it's been a big part of my developmental stages for sure. Yeah, come on, check out check out the house. Okay, here's my room. Got my got my bed right here. Uh, I can always keep my bags up here, and um, I got some trophies up here on my my drawer. Yeah, the Newport one was a really cool tournament. That's actually the favorite, my most favorite place I've been to so far. And yeah, it was a, it was a good tournament. Made the finals. Oh yes, what a strike! You have to give a lot of commiserations to Jensen Brooksby. He'll be back. What a future he'll have, the 20-year-old. I hope to be back here again and be pushing for more of these results. So we're in the living room right now. One of my trophies I just got recently from Dallas. Oh, what a magnificent athlete this young man is. Yeah, that one's from the uh, US Open fourth round from last year, actually. His retrieval skills are unbelievable. Doing the limits of his game, really. That pushed him all the way. Reminds me of all the energy I need to have out there every day. <laughs> that was the greatest experience so far I've had, just with that atmosphere and intensity from the crowd cheering you on and it's it's really cool and it's, it's just a reminder of the moments I want to be in more often. Last uh, year or two also it just seems like he's getting better and better. For me as a seeing him you know develop as a child into a man has been really kind of fun. You know he's still got a ways to go but it's really cool to see development off the court that he's learning from all of his on the, his tennis experiences. This, this is pretty cool to me because it just reminds me of my dad's mom who you know, passed away a few years ago and it's just really fun. I remember all the years when I was younger playing on this piano. I've learned like if I don't have any outlets then I get more, more stressed really and just I feel like it's more of a grind than when I go do other things to get your mind off tennis and do things you enjoy, and then I'll enjoy the training more as in, in turn. Yeah, there's there's some periods of first times on the tour that you know it takes takes time to get used to and feel more comfortable with. I think what surprised us the most, both of us, was the level of distractions. You always lose, use um, more mental energy on the road, is what I'm learning. Agents, you have uh, sponsors, you have media, you have all this stuff got added to the team. So even now, still, we're not, you know, we're not comfortable with all of that yet, and and we're kind of learning how to manage and, and and go through it, him and I together. I feel as these years go on, and even just you know months go on, and I get more experience with these tournaments, then we'll. Joe and I will learn how to manage these situations better. Good, that's it. Yeah. The road gets tough sometimes. Is we never get these type of days, right? Where you just push, 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 push. And so it gets a little, it gets a little tougher. That was the most we've been on the road in a, in a row, probably close to ever. When he comes off the road, he really enjoys being back at home and just being in his own atmosphere. And the the academy 
has created a culture over the years that you know, Jensen's a product of. And, and we're proud of that culture. And so, um, and the other kids have created, and players before him have created that culture. So I think um, it's all a, a, a tight-knit family, and, and you know, he and I both enjoy coming home a lot. You got Nick here, Jimmy, Javi, all coaches at my club. And then you got Casper right there. <laughs> here? Yeah, this is the biggest yeah. one. It's, it's like a family, right? So you argue a lot, you fight a lot, you, you cheer each other on uh, uh, a lot, you joke a lot. You know, they go to you know lunch, dinner together, they live together. So it's it's a lot of comfortable being yourself. <laughs> August 1st, 2020. That's it. Let's go, baby. You know, you get on the road and, and you know you don't you don't have a, a, a ton of that atmosphere. You got a lot of everybody's own teams there and you got a lot more separation there and, and so um, when he comes home, he really, he really enjoys, you know, the camaraderie of all the coaches and all the players and, and um, you know, those, those relationships. I feel like it's really important to see family and friends when I can because you're on the road so much out of the year and especially this year and on, I'm going to be even on the road more than last year and this is only my second full year on tour really. But, you know, I, as I, you know, hopefully plan to have a lot, lot more years, um, it's important to, you know, you can you can miss home and miss miss your friends and family for sure. So it's 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 definitely a big reason why I like to stay home as well. And um, so it's, it's always a great feeling for me when I can get back home and just see everyone I know. And if you didn't know much about him now, you really should remember the name because you're going to be hearing so much of it in the years to come. Now that is a man who feels like he's going places. We're extremely proud. I mean, it's it's amazing, and but mostly we're happy for him. It's nice to see your son go out and have a goal and be able to to be successful at it. For me, I say he's living his dream. Doesn't every mom want their child to be able to live their dream? And so he's trying to do that. It's all new, but it's also very exciting, and and Jensen kind of thrives off of uh, excitement. So I think. But right now, that that's that's helping. Um, I mean, it's it's always just staying present-minded and what I can focus on each day, and not really w worrying about expectations or distractions. And I think it's that simple. And for more features like that one, check out atptalk.com and the ATP WTA Live app, which is also where you'll find previews to the two ATP 500s coming up this week in Tokyo, Japan and Astana, Kazakhstan, where Alexander Bublik and his crazy box of tricks will be drawing the crowds on home soil. Alex, this must be a very special occasion for you to come to your adopt-a-country here in Kazakhstan and, and play the biggest tournament the country's probably ever seen. Well, yeah, definitely. Every time being here, it's, uh, it's a lot of adventure. Great city. It's, the city has been my second home for, for a bit of a time already, for like seven years. and. Uh, being part of ATP 500 event for the very first time, hopefully not the last one. And this is very special for me, you know, seeing all these kids and seeing my pictures all over the town and, you know, spending so much time. I'm never, like, there's only two, three countries in the world, it's Kazakhstan, France and Italy, where I spent so much time in uh, doing autographs, but Kazakhstan's beat France and Italy by far. I was spending, I don't know, three hours a day on signing things on the street and in this tennis club. and. 
and I really, I really enjoy that because there's the young kids that's going to come up and play Davis Cup and Fed Cup and everything. So I'm really glad that I have a certain impact on the tennis in the country, and I'm really proud of representing the country in a way. Do you enjoy doing it? Do you enjoy doing spending time with kids? And, and obviously, obviously, that's part of that's part of our job. You have to admit that, and especially here when. Uh, in the country I represent, in my country, then I, when I see a lot of people, a lot of kids, a lot of parents, you know, looking at my practice, the kids, I was practicing yesterday so late, I, I finished, I ended up like nine o'clock and there were like 15 kids waiting, you know, past their bedtime, you know, begging for autograph, you know, it's, uh, you know, I have, of course I like, don't get me wrong, I like French people and Italian people, you know, they're great, my fans, and I love them, but here, you know, it's different, you know, that's country that I came in, that you know, get me everything and I have to give it back, you know, so I'm really happy to share it, to share my time and I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it well until the end of the tournament and every time I'm coming here, I'm always happy to enjoy some time with the kids, with their parents, with everything. So, you know, giving a little back, the least I can do. Since you came here and you switched from Russia to playing for Kazakhstan, what have, what has the Kazakh Tennis Federation done to you know, for you to become the player you are today? Well, they have, they have a structure. The most important thing in, uh, in every good country, that in every good federation, you know, a tennis federation, it has a structure. Everyone, like French Federation, USTA, everybody has a great structure. And so does Kazakhstan. They, they, they are, you know, step up and we have a great team. We, we record a good people, you know, we have a lot of different different minds coming in from all over the world and you know definitely this helps and obviously the financial support that they provided at the first place when I was when I needed it the most and it definitely I mean that's just they did everything let's put it this way they did everything and do it and they're doing it to everybody it's not like only they do it for Bublik or Rubakina you know to the guys who you know the best at the moment but they're also doing to you know I have a driver here who drives me around my good friend and his son is 11 years old and he got full support I asked him, like, you know, how can you manage, you know, your son traveling, Montenegro, Greece, everywhere. You know, he's 11 years old. It's expensive. You know, he has four kids. He's like, no, but the Federation is covering everything. And he's not even top five. So that's how the structure is here. So they help everybody who, who can play tennis, you know, who can play a good, good level of tennis. There's certain, of course, there's certain, you know, limit of how many players they can help in each, uh, you know, age group. But definitely it's a lot of people. So because he's not top five, he's maybe top ten but he's getting full support. Like he goes to Greece, he goes to Montenegro, he has a coach, he has everything. He's 11 years old. I had, I had the racket and a father when I was 11 years old and the three tennis balls probably. So that's what I had. And so they have this structure, you see the facilities and that's one of three in Astana. We have a great facility at the other side of the city where Rafa came to open it. They have like 15 courts, like crazy, crazy good. So yeah, that's, they have everything. They have a structure. The most important thing, they have a structure. Mm -hmm. And the success obviously helps of, of their idols. Yourself, you won your first ATP title this year. Um, Rybakina, you mentioned the Wimbledon champion. Can you see Kazakhstan develop into a big tennis nation in the future? Well, we'll see. It's tough to say, but yeah, definitely we have steps. I mean, we've been to quarterfinals of Davis Cup last year. I mean, with with such a you know country that stepped in maybe what 15 years ago 20 years ago again I think it's anniversary 20 years this year of a federation so it's only been 20 years you know so I think we have a definitely big chance to be a very successful team uh, women's and men's in the future and definitely a big contenders for you know singles achievements or doubles achievements you know like uh, individual sports and maybe a team as well team is a bit tougher because you need to have a strong 
three, four players, which is probably tough at the moment. But, you know, we developing the system. We have uh, new juniors coming up. I mean, I'm here, you know, I'm looking at the juniors, you know, trying to help. And we see maybe, yes, I do. I do believe we can. So you've played a few Davis Cups for Kazakhstan. Um, obviously, you switched from Russia to Kazakhstan. That, that feeling, that national pride that a lot of players say they feel, is, is that the same for you now with your adopted country or is, or is that never going to be the same? For me, the very first experience being, on a, you know, being in a team, it was in Kazakhstan. So for me, I was 18 years old and I've never played Davis Cup ties for Russia. I've never played anything. I think I played maybe tennis Europe once or something, you know, in team. But for me, I experienced everything with Kazakhstan. So I definitely love and, and I feel proud when I hear the anthem and everything. And I do enjoy, you know, the feeling and I do, I do have pride because this is certain way I can say it's my people in a way because they've been there for seven years when I was uh, 300, 400 in the world till I'm 30 in the world and everything. So they've been always there. So for me, it's the first time feeling, you know? So first time I heard the national anthem of the country was in Davis Cup. So I never, I never heard it before, you know, being on tennis court, you know, getting ready, getting pumped for a match and, you know, 4,000 fans or 5,000 fans, you know, cheering your name. It's definitely, it's definitely an experience and I love it. And yes, I do feel proud. Honestly, I do feel proud uh, representing it. As you can see how I play for Davis Cup. And hopefully play this week as well. Um, I was of course, gonna, you will see. I was going to ask you, yeah, is, is that because we have some of the biggest players in the world here, right? Six out of the top 10 are here, but there's also a lot of spotlight on you. Um, which is probably unusual when you play with all these, yeah, all these names. It, do you like that? Do you enjoy that? Well, you kind of get used to it, you know. I do have a lot of attention in other tournaments as well, but here it's special, as I mentioned uh, the first question. It's, it's very special because it's, it's the people I want to influence the most. It's the kids I want to influence the most. It's the kids I want, I want them to be successful, you know, because this is, this is the future of the country I represent. is the future, future of our country. So this is very important for me. So, yeah, of mm -hmm. course. To win that title earlier in the year in Montpellier, um, how much of a milestone was that in your career? Well, definitely a milestone, of course. You just you put the trophy and then you forget about it, honestly. You know, you, you, you feel like, okay, well, I'm going to win my first ITF or Challenger or ATP and then you got it and then all of a sudden you have seven finals on top of it as well and then you'll be like okay wow what if I win seven titles well nothing would change probably for me so yeah I don't know yeah and I think in the in the moment it was very nice you know I enjoyed it I finally got it and uh, but after that I had three three more finals already and yeah I lost it and it's I mean it's fine you know if I win one of those that I lost this year and I mean I think nothing would change already I mean maybe when I'm gonna if I'm gonna win a Masters one day or you know a 500 it's gonna be a different feeling but for now I mean I don't I don't even remember that Alexander Bublik speaking there with Ursin Kaderis and hoping for good things in Astana so that is it for this week for updates and interviews from Japan and Kazakhstan Check out the atptour.com website and the app. And I'll be back next week as we look back on both events with more exclusive interviews and features from Life on Tour. I'm Seb Lozier. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the tennis. <laughs>